Well, I'll give you a quick testimony. This just kind of hits my spirit. I kind of got that feeling here tonight. I don't know why. But uh, in 1979, uh, I was uh, attending a youth rally in Terre Haute, Indiana. I was going to uh, Indiana State University. And um, basketball fans back in the days of Larry Bird, I want you to know I attended class. He did not. And uh, that's not the testimony, all right? <laughs> and and, and um, it was a youth rally I was going to there, and, and um, it snowed. And so the speaker didn't show up. And there was about 14 people there. And um, uh, Dr. James Brown spoke that night. And um, I was called to ministry that night. I don't even remember what he said. And so I want you to know that every time we come together, it's a divine arrangement. How many believe that? How many believe you're supposed to be here? How many, believe, how many know you're here? Let me just start right there, all right? You're supposed to be here. Uh, the other day, um, uh, one of the college students said to me that they only had two people came to their discipleship group. I said, well, Jesus, hang around with Peter, James, and John. Amen. God has specific reason for you to be here tonight. The Spirit of God is going to speak to you in a mighty, mighty way. Your family is going to be touched. You're going to be touched. Amen. Let's do something together. Let's stand, if you would, please. And um, if there's a row empty in front of you, then advance. Just just go ahead and just, if there's any rows empty, just 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 keep advancing. Get as, get, get as close as you can. Get as close as you can. Come on, just keep doing that. While you're doing that, tell somebody hello. Just look at them and say, hi. Come on, just, just keep doing that. These metal sections right here, these are some of the most hotted, heated chairs right in through here. You want to get in right in through here. Just, just scoot in right in through here, somebody. And maybe you want to shift over in here, all right? That's it. Look at her coming. That's smart. It's smart. She's smart. Amen. Get right in there real close. Real close. Let's join together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we take agreement now in the supernatural power of your Spirit. We know, we know that every moment in you is a big moment. You've never had a bad moment. You've never had a down time. Every move in you is a great move. And so tonight, we know the power of your Spirit is speaking to us in a very intimate, personal way. And we take agreement in it right now in the name of Jesus. Now the second thing to do while we're worshiping, you guys help me out. Show, show everybody what to do. We're getting ready to worship. All right? Put your purse down there, your Bible down there. Nobody will steal from you. Just, just come on up here and worship. Here we go. Come on, just join me. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Come on, not waiting for the first word. Just lift those hands. Lift those hands. To the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, we worship you, Father. Just close your eyes in his presence. My hallelujah belongs to you. You need 
sing hallelujah. Come on, say it. We sing hallelujah. We sing. We sing hallelujah. The Lamb is overcome. The Lamb is overcome. We sing. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. Come on, lift it right here. Come on, come on, lift your voices, give him big hallelujahs right now. Come on, lift them up big. Come on, lift them up big. Lift them up big. Hallelujah. Lead us in prayer. Lead us in prayer. Lead us in prayer. Go ahead. Hallelujah. Come on, give him hallelujahs. Come on, give him praise. Come on, church, pray, pray, pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We come and expect to see in our hearts on tonight. Hallelujah. We come, Lord God, hallelujah, ready for your miracles, Lord God, that will take place on this night, Lord God. Hallelujah. We come with hungry hearts, Lord God. We're thirsty for your word on tonight, oh God. Fill us in this house on tonight, oh God. Pour out your spirit upon us on this night, oh God. That he will bring forth the truth, Lord God. You said in your word, Father God, that we should know the truth, and the truth will make us free yes, on tonight, oh God. Get freedom in this household tonight, God. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, Lord God. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord God, that signs and miracles and wonders, Lord God, will follow those who believe you, oh God. Hallelujah, Lord God. We believe in your promises on tonight, oh God. We're ready to receive your promises on tonight, oh God. Hallelujah. Stir up in us, Holy Spirit. Have your way on tonight, Holy Spirit. Do what only you can do on tonight, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. We say yes to you, Lord. Yes to you, Lord. Hallelujah. 
in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, everybody, just give him your praise now. Come on. Come on, come on, come on, do it. Come on, give him your praise. Give him your praise. Hallelujah. Come on, right there, right there, right now. Come on, right now. Get him all right there. Hallelujah. Everybody just lift your hands and be just praise him. Go ahead, just lift them up right there. Come on, you came tonight because you mean business. Come on, just come on, praise him. Come on, out of your spirit. Come on, begin to praise him. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Come on, just do that. Come on, youth. Come on, young people. Come on, grandma, grandpa. Come on, come on, worship veterans. Come on, lift it up, lift it up. Come on, lift it up. We love you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let a release begin to happen out of your spirit. Amen. Come on, let it happen. Let a release happen out of your spirit. Let the anointing flow in you like a river right there. Come on, don't hold back. Be aggressive in it. Come on, be aggressive in it. Hallelujah. 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 Somebody give a breakout. Hallelujah. Come on. Somebody give a breakout. Hallelujah. Somebody give a breakthrough. Hallelujah. My house is coming through. My finances are coming through. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. There's some, come on. There's some victory right there. Hallelujah. Woo. Hallelujah. Yeah. I feel the Holy Ghost.
Now, just because he's worthy, yeah, give him, come on, give him just big praise. Come on, big, big praise. Is that thing broke? Is that thing broke? Do it on there. Yeah, go over there and do that. Go ahead, give him another praise. Come on, you can do that. So some of you don't know all these old songs that Otis and I know, so we're going to teach these two girls this song right now. Are you ready, all right? How many ready to learn something new, amen? How many know it's okay? It's, it's not okay for the world to rock, and we not rock in the Holy Ghost. Can I have a witness here, somebody? Amen. I, I mean, all you got to do, I watch Harrison there. I just say, preach. He's like, whoa, out there. You, know, you got to get, sometimes you just got to get free. How many know what I'm talking about? I'm going to give you the count of three. One, two, three to start praising him right now. One, come on, just, just go ahead. Are you ready? Now, now I'm going to show you how to do this song. Are you ready? Here we go. Somebody need to catch on fire, catch on fire, catch on fire. Somebody need Watch to this. catch on fire and burn it in the Holy Ghost. Oh, celebration to him. Come on, everybody, just do it right now. Right now as we're worshiping God, and here's what's going to happen. Is you're just kind of right there where you are. If you remain standing with me, the ushers are going to come forward. We're going to receive giving. We're going to worship in celebration tonight. I declare to you right now, receive it in the name of Jesus. I declare to you that your due season arrangements have already been made. I declare to you your fulfillment is already complete. All you've got to do is by faith walk in it. Tonight, I encourage you to give out of the flow of the Holy Ghost into the ministries of, of uh, Robbie and, and Tracy Mitchell. Tonight, she's got all kinds of things back there. We're glad to have her here. I don't know about his stuff, but it, her stuff is worth it. I noticed she boxed up all of his stuff and put hers out. So it must be the special tonight, all right? 
She, she goes around the world ministering, and we're glad to have her here with us tonight. I'm certainly intrigued by her ministry in Cuba today as we begin to talk about that. And I, I know, I just know that as you give to them, the Spirit of God is going to work miracles in your life in ways you cannot even know to ask for. A multiplied blessing, amen, in every area of your life. Now, you, tonight, you can go to your phone. You can go to our website and give. You can uh, do this during the week. You can give in the, in the offering as it passes. Tonight, you can go to the back manually by credit card, debit card. There's a kiosk out front, however that you would like. Pray with me right now. Father, I call forth what you said is reserved up in these last days for ministries to do work without hindrance. God, I believe right now the provision is going to do more than just match the vision. There's going to be more than enough so the vision can be enlarged. Amen. So, Father, I believe right now there's a mighty blessing over the household of the Mitchells, over their, for, for generations to come. I believe right now the vision is enlarging, and I believe the provision is multiplying right now. I pray through this offering tonight, you'll move people, God, to do things they've never done before. I pray that every household will have a seed in this tonight, and you will multiply the seed sown in the name of Jesus. Amen? Come on, let's give God praise for the Mitchells. Can you do that? Can't nobody. Amen. Come on, we're going to worship as we Can't give. Here we go. Nobody do me like Jesus. Can't nobody do me like the Lord. Can't nobody. Do me like Jesus. He's my Come on, real good. Can't nobody. Do me like Jesus. Can't nobody. Can't nobody. Do me like the Lord. Can't nobody. Do me like Jesus. Come on, it's Sunday night. Here we go. It's Emma Kate's birthday, so I want to hear her sing a little of this. <laughs> hey! Hey, yeah! I like this part. Wonder working power. 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 Oh, there is power, power, 
Come on, somebody turn to somebody next to you say, I like the way Richmond does that. Go ahead and do that, all right? He's all right. <laughs> you want to come on Friday night to the Ladies' Spirit Fire because they have got a special section of the old music like that. You're going to love it. I mean it. There's a, there's a buddy of Michael's. I, I hear him up in the room, and they'll be up there singing uh, nothing but the blood of Jesus and, and all that sort of thing, and they're they going to do that for you ladies on, on Saturday night. Amen. Here's the way they introduced me in South America, the one and only <laughs> Robbie Mitchell. The one and only. They call they call you Robbie Mitchell. Get yourself up there and preach. Listen, was that not biblical whole truth preaching today? Come on, did anybody hear the word of God today? Amen. I do know he covered all 66 books. Amen. There he is. That was phenomenal, brother. I mean that. Thank you. Thank you for being an, thank you for paying the price to be anointed and then to release it without any inhibition whatsoever. Amen. Come on, tell him you're ready. Come on, tell him you're ready. Come on, tell him you're ready. Amen. Did we turn it on? Hallelujah. It's going to be good tonight. Don't leave prematurely. Because I believe the Holy Ghost is going to do it in here tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. Are y'all happy? Got the joy of the Lord. Ready to receive tonight. Ready for great things to happen. Appreciate you all. Great worship. Amen. I love this worship team. Got a great worship team. Y'all kept, kept coming in. You made me nervous a while ago after my speech this morning. I looked up. Wasn't anybody here? Brother Randy said, calm down, preacher. He saw it in my eyes. Calm down. They'll be in here. Y'all came. Amen. We're still working on it. Amen. How many of you know when a church is faithful, what takes place? Yeah. Got to be faithful. Got to be faithful. Got to show up to work, you get fired. Got to show up to school, you get expelled. Got to show up to eat or you'll die. You got to eat, man. You got to show up to the table. You got to show up church. Ooh, a church's revival will never surpass the faithfulness level. A church's revival that they want will never surpass the faithfulness level. We got to have it. Amen? Amen. So we work on that even in our culture. It's something we got to change. We got to move into it. We got to get back to that faithfulness, that commitment, that dedication to where when those doors are open, we're there. We're there. Amen. The all-seeing eye knows who wants to show up. Amen. Appreciate all of you coming. Tracy, as pastor said, Tracy, my wife is here tonight. Tracy, stand up. Let everybody see you. Amen. Turn around and look at them. Amen. Thank you. Appreciate her coming tonight at the back. As Pastor said, then I'm going to get this out of the way and we'll get it in the Word. But at the back, we will have, uh, Brother, if you'll put that thumb drive up. People have been asking at the back, so I want to go ahead and do that. But that's our, if you're following us on uh, Facebook, it, uh, my 5,000 ran, ran out a long time ago, so traveling every week, so Go on official, Robbie Mitchell, on Facebook. And then Instagram is just Robbie Mitchell, the number one. You see Tracy's there, the Facebook and the Instagram and all the rest of it. Just We'll have that up tonight. Some of you ask us at the back about it, so I like to corporately put, just put it on the screen 
mention it that way. Also, there are many audio CDs like the cream of the crop. I brought 50, 60, 70 with me. Different messages at the back. It's the cream of the crop. In other words, I pull them off a shelf before I come. And I feel like where we are in the land, what's going on with uh, everything right now, all the, all the stuff that's happening, what type messages would fit to, for you to get, to memorize, get them in you. I tell people this, there's some good debating material back there. If you get full of the Holy Ghost and get full of this Word, you can debate the Word of God. In other words, just set, Paul said, I'm set for the defense of the gospel. I am set like a linebacker waiting for that ball to be snapped. He is set for the defense of the gospel because we know there's so many offensive attacks against it, attacks against this great spirit-filled experience, uh, the people that don't understand, whatever, people that do understand and still attack. Uh, many audio CDs as well as DVDs. We are like eight tracks went to cassettes, and I remember when cassettes went to CDs, and now CDs are going out, and we're having to go to thumb drives or whatever. But we're about to do that on all the messages we've ever recorded. And, and the ones coming up, we're going on thumb drive with them. I'm going to check with a company. I checked a few weeks ago, and they said, we don't do that yet. So we're trying to find one that will do that. Also at the back, um, Tracy is now an author, with, been for several years, with Thomas Nelson Publishing, HarperCollins, which is the granddaddy of all granddaddies. Been around since 1800 and something. Not 19, 1800 and something. But I, I know last time I was here, I told you about her book that was out that was phenomenal. And we got several at the back. It's called Downside Up. It is transforming rejection into life's golden opportunity. It's about rejection. In this book, she reprograms your thinking about rejection. You know, we all know that everybody's been rejected. Hey, tell you this, not being negative, being real, you're going to be rejected again by a spouse, by a relative, a kid, a, a mother, a father, a daddy, a cousin, work, schools called peer pressure. Peer pressure is nothing more than, more than a form of rejection, and it's devastating. We know it ruins kids. It's called suicide. It has caused suicide in kids. They couldn't take it at school. What? Rejection. They wouldn't let them in. And you go on and on and on, but this book will absolutely, if you've got people that are battling rejection, they cannot get out of it. It, it paralyzes. It's a spiritual it, paralysis. It brings paralyzing moments to people's lives where they literally uh, can't go any further. And so we've heard testimonies of people that were in bed and wouldn't get out of bed. I heard one a while back, a lady we were told about, I was, that just wouldn't get out of bed. And uh, her husband had left her after 40 years, and they got her this book. They got her this book, and they made her read it. Her relatives or friends that loved her said, no, we're going to force feed you. You're going to read this book. Start off with 10 pages. Start off with whatever. And she read through it quick. Once she got started, she couldn't stop. But uh, it, it, it got her out of bed. It got her life going again. Uh, she reprograms your thinking about it because that's, that's where the uh, devastation is. Um, well, these are $17. Is that right, Tracy? $17. And I promise you this will change your life. She makes, I've told you this before, I believe, when I had this book, but for you that wasn't here, I was driving along in a car one time. I was driving, she's sitting in the passenger seat, and I said, uh, <clears throat> what's your book about? She said, well, I think I'm going to write about rejection. I said, well, what about rejection? You know, Joyce Meyer's got a lot of, uh, back then, CDs and uh, books on rejection, whatever. She said, well, I'm going to do it different. I've never heard anything like this. And I said, what do you mean? She said, I'm going to, trans, uh, I'm going to program their thinking different. I said, what do you mean by that? She said, well, here's the deal. 
She said, I don't believe rejection's always bad. I said, what do you mean? I thought rejection's always bad. Everybody thinks rejection's always bad. She said, I got to thinking, the Lord gave me a thought what the 200 and something pages are about. She said, rejection sometimes could be God's way of breaking people off of your life that isn't qualified to go with you into your future. I said, as a preacher, would you say that one more time? She said, rejection could be God's way of getting people out of your life that isn't qualified to go with you into your future. It's, she's like a lawyer in court. She proves that statement with 200 and something pages. Trust me. Get this book. Get it for someone that is devastated. You watch what happens. Guarantee it or I'll give you money back. I'll give your money back. Her newest book is called Becoming Brave. Y'all like this. Tracy, this, this one's for everybody. Is this for men and women, but mainly women? It's mainly women. The second book just came out. Everybody's raving about it. Becoming Brave. Listen to this, ladies. How to think big, dream wildly, not carnal, dream wildly, and live a fear-free life. I like that. How to think big, dream wildly, and live a fear-free life. All I'm going to say about this book is this. Are you tired of singing about your dreams all the time? Are you tired of confessing about the future that of your dreams coming to pass, but you never see your dreams come to pass? Trust me, this book will cause your dreams come to pass. Fear free. I, I could say much more about it, but I need to get on into this. It's a powerful book. Also, I asked your pastor about uh, this earlier. I always ask the pastors because some pastors take their people, and he gave me the okay about it. But November the 12th through the 21st next year, not coming up in a few days, November, a year and something away, November 12th through 21st, Tracy and I used to host tours to the Holy Land all the time. And uh, a friend of mine company, has a company in Little Rock and, and Jerusalem and contacted me and said, man, would you want to do this again? You used to do it. We've been four, I think four times, taking people. We try to make it around 50-something people, one bus load and cut it off. But we're going to be going... Uh, November 12th through the 21st this next year. We've got brochures here. If, you, if you're interested in going with us, her and I will be hosting it. We'll be doing the spiritual part of it. We've got a great, of course, great Jewish guides that are over there historically. They'll be telling about it. Four-star hotels, all your meals paid, everything. The flight from Little Rock to, to New York or New Jersey on over to Tel Aviv. So the price includes your, your plane ticket from Little Rock I'm sure you'll go out of, or the city you choose, to New York. Sometimes uh, prices are quoted to you, but you got to get to New York. you got to get to New York City or, or New Jersey to fly out. They don't tell you that. They, they just plan on New York, Tel Aviv, round trip. So this will be uh, taking care of it. All you do, they'll, they'll book it for you electronically. They book everything. All you got to do, pack up, show up on that day, and you're gone. Think it, it's phenomenal. It's going to be phenomenal. We know while over there, the 10 days, whatever it is, we know to cut out some of the stuff, cut the fat off, and get to the lean meat because there's a lot of waste that you waste time. We do know how to kind of move the people along from taking uh, potty breaks to whatever, bathroom breaks. You all with me? Sometimes people take too long, and it wastes a lot of time. So we've timed this thing where we're not rushing. 
Yet we get there. We get there and we get to all the great spots. And of course, go into detail about the great things. Prayer, we're going to be renewing wedding vows. Of course, baptizing in Jordan River. Y'all know that. Everything else that there is. So I enjoy not just the New Testament sites of Golgotha and not just the New Testament sites of the Jordan River and all that. I love the Old Testament cities. You're standing right in them. You're reading them in the Word. You stand there. I love that. I love to pull up Bible stories where possibly is this where it happened? Is this where it happened? Amen. Synagogue at Capernaum. Man with an unclean spirit in Mark chapter 1. Man with an unclean spirit interrupted Jesus while Jesus was teaching. Jesus is Emmanuel, God in flesh. He's God in flesh. And a demon interrupted God. We stand in that literal synagogue. A root part of the roof's missing. One wall's missing. All the rest of it's there. The steps like these that Jesus and that demon-possessed man walked up to get there are still the steps that were there. Our feet will touch where they touch. Stuff like that, I love it. As much as the cross and all that. I love that type stuff. We'll be going over all that. So if you want to go with us or you think about it, please let us know at the back. I need to know. I need your cell number. And I need you just to let us know. Amen? All right. Said all that, it's time to preach. It's time to get in the Word. Are you ready for this tonight? You ready for this tonight? Stand one more time on your feet. Just stand there just a minute. Raise your hands and say, show me revelation tonight. I'm asking for the revelation of God tonight. In this message, Lord, give me what I need. Because God knows I need it tonight. In the name of Jesus, we believe you for signs and wonders to follow this word tonight. Don't let me get lazy, Lord. Don't let me get anxious. Don't let me run out of here prematurely and miss my family's miracle. You may be seated. Open up the word. Open up tonight to the book of Acts. Everyone looking with me. The book of Acts. We're going to look at chapter 28. Acts chapter 28. Everybody look with me. Acts 28. I'm going to start reading with verse 1. And when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita, or we say Malta. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness. They were very friendly. For they kindled a fire and received us, every one, because of the present rain and because of the cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. Notice where the viper struck him. Not the arm, not the leg. He fastened on his hand. Hmm. When the barbarians saw the venomous beast like a cobra hang on his hand, they said among themselves, no doubt this man is a murderer whom though he hath escaped the sea, vengeance suffereth not to live. And Paul shook off the beast into the fire. He shook it off, and he felt no harm. Howbeit, when the people that just accused him of being a murderer, they looked when he should have swollen, 
And I studied the snake in those days over there. It's been like a cobra. It's supposed to be dead three to five minutes as the blood turns to jello. He should have swollen or fallen dead suddenly. But after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said he's a god. They went in three to five minutes from a murderer to a god. In the same quarters were possessions of the chief man of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and lodged us three days courteously. It came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and a bloody flux, to whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, others also which had diseases in the island came and were healed, who also honored us with many honors. And when we departed, they laded us with such things as were necessary. Lay your Bible beside you. I'm dealing with tonight the subject when the serpent strikes your gift. When the serpent strikes your gift. In the Lutheran church, 18 and a half years, I've told you before here, for you that wasn't here, I had a blonde-headed, blonde-headed blue-eyed United Methodist daddy and a black-headed, black-eyed German Lutheran mother. My blonde-headed, blue-eyed United Methodist daddy asked my black-headed, black-eyed German Lutheran mother, will you marry me? She said yes. They got married, conceived, and had a Pentecostal preacher. You can't Google anything about that. You tell Siri that scenario. Siri, what do you think of it? She would say, I do not understand the question. I do not understand the question. Siri don't have the answer for this. What is it? It's a God deal. Eighteen and a half years. Picture me. White robe. Candle lighting. Infant baptism in a little wooden bowl in Eldorado, Arkansas. Two weeks old as the preacher took the water and sprinkled it with a little handkerchief so it wouldn't run in the baby Robbie's eyes. Sprinkled on the forehead and told my parents, Elaine, you should have had him here the first week instead of the second. Got on to her. Because the Lutheran church thought they were baptizing Robbie Mitchell, not into the Lutheran church. They were sprinkling the forehead in the little wooden bowl and baptizing me into Christ. Yet when I got of the age of accountability, whatever it is, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, whatever, I never heard what it takes to go to heaven one time. I never heard in 18 and a half years, I was more faithful, a lot of Assembly God people. She made me go every Sunday. But with my little head sprinkled with water and my candle lighting self with the white robe following the preacher down the aisle in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost and lighting the candles like I'm at a wedding. I lit candles, infant baptism, and nothing ever happened. Because it is not a solid biblical doctrine. Submerging in water. Water baptism of an adult that is born again, that understands they are a sinner and they need a Savior. 
Holy communion, if you can take it wrong, Paul said, and it'll make you sick, why can't you take it right and it make you well? Something's supposed to happen when we put an adult that has accepted Christ in that water, whether they're eight to 98, listen to me, or 108. Something's supposed to happen when we take Holy Communion. But ladies and gentlemen, something's supposed to happen when we lay these hands on somebody. Something's supposed to happen during these three major doctrines because of Hebrews 6, 1 through 3. Wherefore, leaving, Paul said, the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on into perfection, not laying again the foundations of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of the laying on of hands and of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. Verse 3, and this will we do. If God, he said, we will continue to do the doctrines of the Bible, if God permit. 35 times in the Word, it talks of laying on of hands. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John laid their hands on the lame man. As it said specific, don't forget this, and Peter didn't put it on his head like we think. He took the lame man by the right hand. In Acts 5, 12, and by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. In Acts 19, 6, and when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied as the Spirit gave the utterance. Paul, that was not one of the original 12. Paul, that later met up with some of them before many of them were martyred. Paul that met them and they had heard of him and they knew him, scared of him before his road to Damascus experience. The early disciples, the original 12, were very fearful of Paul for they had heard what he was doing to the Christians in persecution, holding the cloak of Stephen and having them under orders, killed, thinking he was doing God's service. Very skeptical, hoping that he had definitely changed. Now they came upon him. later, And, and later, John the Baptist, who was now beheaded, Christ comes on the scene. The forerunner's ministry is over. John the Baptist is now beheaded, and later his disciples, some of his own disciples, met the apostle Paul in Acts chapter 19. Paul looked at John the Baptist's disciples, what I just quoted. The scenario was this. Hey, guys, how you doing? Paul, we heard about you and everything that's going on. Man, we're glad you're with us. And Paul immediately, being the Pentecostal man that he was, asked those John the Baptist disciples this, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said, Paul, we knew not of a Holy Ghost. He said, under what then were you guys baptized? They said, well, John's baptism, repentance, true, well, there it is again, true repentance, and we, he put us in water. And Paul laid his hands on those preachers. Y'all listen to me. Watch this. History shows this. 26 years, oh, this finishes the debate. Was it really just, was he just for the book of Acts? Was he just for the day of Pentecost recorded in Acts 2? 26 years after Acts chapter 2, Paul comes upon them in Acts 19, 26 years later, and laid his hands on those preachers, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake with tongues and prophesied as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. Let me tell you about Paul real quick. He had the dunamis of God. He had the dynamite of God. He had the reproductive power. 
the, the New Testament scripture, the word is called dunamis. It stems from the word dynamite. But people say that, we preachers, but let me give you the definition of the dynamite of God. It means reproductive power. It means a power that is capable of reproducing itself at the point of contact. What point of contact? Ladies and gentlemen, through Paul's dominant gift. Paul had a two dominant gifts in his life. One of them was eloquent speaking. One of them before his road to Damascus experience when he was a teacher of the teachers and, a, and a, the, the brilliant of the brilliant. He was known for his eloquence. He was known for taking that law and making it come alive, proving that the Old Testament Jehovah God was real. Now, on the road to Damascus, he has a great experience. He had to even be warned by God about how he would present the gospel when he was sent to the church at Corinth, writes the letter, when he was going to that city in Europe we talked about this morning. God said, Paul, I'm going to send you there. But you're so powerful and eloquent with your words, even like your old time before your conversion, from the neck up, your tongue is so eloquent. You got a way of swaying people. You got a way of talking and putting words together that your brilliance in the brain from the neck up shows up sometime, even among, it's so impressive, among what I'm trying to get you to say. So I don't want you to go and tell them baptize. I'm not sending you to Corinth there. I'm not sending you to the city in Europe that needs a savior. I'm not sending you there that is an ultimate perversion for you to baptize them in water. So make sure that you don't dig a hole, get a horse trough, line them up, put them through the water and begin to ease their conscience. I'm not sending you there, Paul, to baptize them. Not anything to do with the ritual, such as infant baptism, such as candle lighting, such as whatever. I'm gonna send you there to preach the gospel. But a certain way, Paul, I do not want you to preach. I do not want you to preach with eloquent words of wisdom unless the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. I want you to go from the neck down instead of the neck up. I want you to preach with an anointing that you now have been given after the road to Damascus experience, and now you're going to change their heart, which will change their mind. If you can affect this, it will automatically affect this, which will affect this, affect these, affect this. It'll affect everything else. And then, Paul, I want you to take your other dominant gift. And I want you to transfer a storable anointing through the laying on of hands. Because Paul, I'm looking down from heaven and you are flowing in a dominant gift. You are shaking cities with your dominant gift. You are changing doctrines by your dominant gift. You are changing the core and the hearts of men that observe your dominant gift. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. It is the laying on of hands. You with me? And the serpent knew it. The serpent knew Paul's dominant gift. Paul is led by the Holy Ghost to an island. He ain't there to form friendships. He is there to shake that barbarous island for the kingdom of God. The barbarous people were friendly. The barbarians knew they were cold in that cold winter night. As they literally came out across that water and went toward that island, 
getting off the boat, I want to bring to your attention tonight the reason God put this in there. A little New Testament about this, not that, not, no, come on down to the New Testament. And an eternal God wrote a new covenant book, prompted men to dip their pen in inks, put it to the paper, and write a book that is only called New Testament this thick, or should I say thin. And every story he put in there would affect us and show the new covenant doctrine even in the year 2018 or 2065, whatever, until he comes back. The fire was already lit. The sticks were already bundled. Somebody to keep the fire going had to throw another log on the fire. Paul came up knowing what Proverbs said, that he that hath many friends must show himself friendly. Because you reap what you sow. You act snobby, people snob you. You act rude, you wonder why they're rude to you. He that hath many friends, not two or three. You can always find two or three that like you. And 95 can't stand you. He that hath many friends must show himself friendly. I want to welcome you tonight, ladies and gentlemen, to the reality of the spirit world. When the apostle Paul said, no, no, don't worry. The fire's been going a while. It's starting to go down. Here, let me take my dominant gift. Let me take my hands over here. And I will just begin to pick up thinking in his mind. I wasn't even there. It doesn't even say it, but I know as a man of God what he was doing. He was going to be friendly. No, no, no. You built it. It's been burning a while. You put enough sticks. Let me gather. And he bundled the sticks and he walked back over to the fire and he leaned down though many hands had already been toward the fire and nothing happened and boom all of a sudden a serpent pow struck him on his hand not his arm not his leg some of y'all freaking out right now so I'm about to walk towards you And a venomous viper struck him on his dominant gift. Hands that had already been near the fire wasn't struck. Serpents don't stay in any fire long at all. They're out of there. I want to welcome you again to the reality of the spirit world. When Satan used a very venomous serpent to strike him on his hand. When he struck him, what did Paul do? He didn't freak. He didn't flip out. Most pastors I preach for and evangelists would be dead. Not a venom of a massive heart attack. Before the venom even left the hand to get to the elbow, 
they'd have died freaking and flipping out. Are y'all still with me? Everybody has a dominant gift. Paul's was speaking, changing hearts, laying on of hands. I come not unto you with enticing words of man's wisdom, but I come with the demonstration of the Spirit and the power of God, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but that your faith should stand in the power of God. Daniel said again, we mentioned this morning, about the Yada scripture. We mentioned this morning, Daniel saw in the last days, he said the enemy would attempt to wear out, the serpent will attempt to wear out the saints of the Most High. There is no doubt in my mind, it's in the attacking of the gift. He is scared of your, your dominant gift. Churches will take off. I don't buy that lie that you can't be Pentecost and grow in 2018. I don't buy the lie that my preacher friends are, are, are sucking up and drinking down, man. They're buying it left and right that you got to go seeker, that you got to ease off everything. Slow down. Calm down. Don't say that. Don't mention hell. Don't mention a certain sin. Their relative might be in it. It'll offend them. They, you want to grow. Let me tell you something. That Bible kicks that out. In court, that Bible, you've lost. In court, this Bible tells you what happens if you don't speak. It's not that I'm, I, I'm real concerned about what some of them are saying. My main concern is what they're not saying. My main concern in the day we live in is what they're not preaching with everything. And you've heard it time and time again. If great people that have truth keep their mouth shut and only let the secular humanist liberals talk, then ladies and gentlemen, it looks like they're right and we're wrong. Let me explain something with you right now. With the hand you reach... With the hand you pick up, with the hand you squeeze, with the hand you hit, with the hand automatically instinct you defend yourself, with the hand you transfer one to the other, something doing a, If I need a drink, I don't tell anybody, could you foot me that bottle of water? Could you ear it to me? Could you eye it? Could you hand me that? There's something about when we're around someone and we want to pick it up because we want them to have it. We have an instinct in us as human beings without even thinking about it. I literally pick it up and I want to hand you this that I want you to get. Listen to me. In 1 Peter 4.10, as every man hath received the gift, listen to Peter, as every man hath received the gift, singular, the singular dominant gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. In James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Remember in 1 Timothy 4.14, when Paul wrote to Timothy, Timothy was his son in the Lord, friends with his mother and grandmother, Eunice and Lois. And now Timothy is about to become the Pentecostal pastor at the Pentecost church at Ephesus, Paul writes to him and said, Timothy, neglect not the gift, not gifts. He's not talking necessarily about the nine gifts. He says, neglect not the gift that is in thee. Because I know what it is, because I'm the one that took you in my arms as a baby. And us three in the room, me and your mother and your grandmother knew what was going on at their request. What happened? Paul came through on a missionary journey. The godly mother and grandmother said to Paul, Paul, take our boy in your arms. 
Timothy's a little baby. You're talking about a storable and anointed, anointed gift, a transferable anointing. Paul takes that baby like we would do a baby dedication. Brother Randy, please remember this the next time. Just a different level, new insight, different angle. When you do your baby dedications, this ought to make you want to bring that baby to this man and woman of God and bring them up here. Paul took, I want to welcome you again to the reality of the spirit world. He took that baby Timothy not even knowing what was going on. Some, they don't have to know what's going on because you and I know what's going on. God honors those that know what's going on even when the recipient sometime doesn't. He took that baby in his arm. He literally began to transfer something, a storable anointing and gift to that baby. Now they tell us, historians, theologians, Timothy's around 18, 19, 20, very young, 18, 19, 20 years later. And all of a sudden, Paul is writing to him and gives him something very specific as he's about to pastor the church at Ephesus. Neglect not the gift, singular, the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy and with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. That's in 1 Timothy. But he writes a second letter to him in 2 Timothy 1.6, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance, Timothy, stir you up what your mother and grandmother told you, that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee, by the putting on of my hands. In Ephesians 3, 7, wherefore also I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effectual working of his power. And in Ephesians 4, 8, wherefore he saith, when he ascendeth up on high, Christ led captivity captive and he gave gifts unto men. Remember in Acts 8, 20, when Peter and the disciples are flowing in the manifold manifestations of God, they are laying hands on people, 35 times men. They are laying hands on people and something's happening. When that demon, that Simon the sorcerer, possessed by a serpent, he ran up and said, hey, Peter, man, I thought out of all the disciples, that joker sure picked the wrong one to try to buy off of. Hey, Peter, I've been doing a lot of magic stuff. I'm into sorcery. But I ain't ever been able to do this. Don't tell you what they're doing. I know what they're doing. I'm preaching it now. He looked and saw their gifts. He saw their preaching ability that caused men to change and repent of their whole lifestyle. He saw men change, listen to me, without counseling sessions going on 32 years. He saw Simon the sorcerer, saw the power of preaching the gospel, and men were changed. And he saw the icing on the cake, the laying on of hands. But he said, I sure would like to have that because I can make a whole heck of a lot of money. Peter said, King James Version, Thy money perish with thee. Original translation, Peter said, Man, you're going to hell. I'm going to take your money with you. You're going to go to hell, Simon. And you're going to take your money that you coveted with you. For the gift of God, the dominant gift of God cannot be purchased. Here we go. It cannot be purchased. Are you ready? And you shouldn't charge it to go use it somewhere. Freely you've received. Freely you're supposed to give it. Ministers, listen to me. It will kill your anointing to put a price tag on your dominant gift. You can lose the anointing off of your dominant gift 
by other ways than committing adultery on your wife or getting drunk or cheating on your taxes. You don't have to shoot a man with a gun or cut him with a knife. Start charging, and I'm, I screamed it out for years. Start charging for your gift to be seen. Start char- We are not entertainment. We are not in this world. If, you, if you're living too high on the hog, come down off the hog. Whenever you've got to adjust, adjust. Because I'm telling you now, the serpent cannot strike your anointing. The anointing breaks the yoke. The anointing destroys the yoke. You get that anointing on that dominant gift. Buddy, listen to me, and two or more agree. As touching any one thing, I said this morning, to whet your appetite for this message tonight, there are many men that are gifted. I know preachers that still run around on their wives. I'm pretty sure of it. I don't like their spirit. I can't stand to be around some of them. My discernment, common sense, picks up immediately. They're in it for them. They're full of pride. I wouldn't trust my wife, my daughters, my son, my money. I wouldn't give them my bank account number. I would never let them borrow my debit card. They'll take a picture of it. You with me? Because I know their spirit. But they got a dominant gift, and it opens up great doors for them. But one day, the enemy's putting them on a pedestal, and that serpent's going to strike that dominant gift. You better hear me. When he does, everything will crash. He knows he cannot attack your anointing. It'll knock his fangs out. He don't even attempt to. Reason you gotta stay fresh in the anointing. So he watches for that dominant gift that's got everybody's attention. He watches for that gift to open, for that gift to lose the anointing. For Paul said in Romans 1:11, for I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift that to the end you may be established. In Romans 12, 6, he said, having the gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to proportion of faith. You remember what Proverbs 18, 16, what I quoted a while ago said, a man's gift make, excuse me, a man's anointing, no, that's sad. I'm gonna say it. Even in most denominations, even Pentecost, when many headquarter guys, listen, I'm being honest with you. I've watched it over 35 years, excuse me, 40 of salvation. When many times in the day we're living in now, when the altars and the anointing doesn't matter to a lot of people. We will have people come in our conferences from general to whatever, state level, to preach. And we bring them in because of their gift. Not because of the anointing that's on the gift. A man's gift maketh room for him and bringeth him before great men. Now listen. Don't miss what I'm about to give you. All throughout the word, Satan used a serpent. Thin book, tiny one chapter story. But God wanted it in there 
We go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. Don't turn, but listen. Just put up Genesis 3.1, King James, if you don't mind. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God, thy God, hath made. And he said unto the woman, hath God said that thou shalt not eat of every tree of the garden? Eve had eternal life. I want you to understand this. Adam and Eve were born, created to live forever. What's the serpent deal all about? Adam and Eve, man, had eternal life. Listen to me, Pentecost. Listen to me, Assembly. Listen to me, Baptist. Listen to me, Nazarene. Listen to me, Methodist. Church Christ, listen to me. Adam and Eve had eternal physical life. Pastor, they were never going to die. They had eternal spiritual life. They were never going to sin because there wasn't a tempter. They were never going to be sick. Wasn't anything around to make them sick. They would never have an argument in their marriage. Figure that. That's the most miracle thing of ever, all of it right there. Men, Eve was never going to disagree with her husband. God, give us that again, please. Eve would do everything the man would ask her to do. God, give us that once again. Bring us a revival. Just get that on camera, honey. They had, in every aspect, eternal life. But there's one condition, and I'm not going to go into detail. You can eat off those 1,200 billion trees. Leave that one alone right there. You can eat off of them, climb in them, build your tree house, swing from the vines, jump out of them. You're not going to die. Just do a swan dive about 50 feet up, Adam. Land on your neck. You ain't going to break it. You have no eternal damnation. There is no eternal. There ain't no death around you. You've got eternal life. Have fun. Just stay away from that one right there and don't eat of it. And Eve, Adam, got the word from God. Adam, being the man, husband, shared it with his wife. Remember that. Adam got the direct command about the tree. He shared with his wife, the Lord God said, leave that one alone. The woman's now walking around, the only one don't among all the do's. And that slithering, out of everything, are you kidding me? A slithering serpent, the most subtle, deceptive creature that the Lord thy God had made, all of a sudden got a voice box. A snake that could carry on a conversation and speak her language. And Eve's first mistake is identical to yours right before you fall. Instead of rebuking him, she started talking to him. Hey Eve, how you doing? Good. 
You looking pretty good now, Mama. Thank you. Why don't you reach out and get you some of that apple? You can know like God. Oh, no. She said, serpent, the word of the Lord came to my husband. And my husband gave it to me. And the word of the Lord said, the day that we partake of this tree, thou shalt surely die. Death will enter in your body. Death will enter in your spirit. Death will enter in your marriage. You'll start arguing with Adam. You'll start disagreeing. You'll start hating his guts at times. He'll hate yours. There ain't no one else around to hate. You'll hate each other's guts. You'll get sick the day you simply take a bite. And he said, (laughs) I know God, you misunderstood him. I used to be his choir director in heaven. You know all the songs, the angels, I produced them. I wrote them, I was the choir director, I had musical pipes built before he cast me. I had musical pipes all in me, man, I just, I was a symphony. You were? Yeah. I know him. You do? Yeah. You misunderstood him. Where's all the divisions and the denominations? Somebody's been listening to the subtle serpent that says, oh, you misunderstood him. He didn't mean what he said right there. He didn't mean what he said right there. He didn't mean what he said. And she said, really? Instead of shaking him off, like some of you need to do, like Paul did, when he struck Patty, It wasn't about an apple. It wasn't about a peach and a pear. It was about their dominant gift of eternal life. And the serpent struck their gift that was given to them. And nothing else mattered. And he took a three-letter word to cause all the four-letter words and to cause all the adultery and the lying and the theft and the murder and everything any member of your body can ever commit. And he took a three-letter word and said, oh, you think serpent said, subtle serpent, you think God said to Adam, thou shalt surely die? He didn't. You left off a three-letter word. He said, thou shalt not surely die because I was his music director and I know him. He did? Yeah, you left off a word, Eve. Thou shalt not surely die. And ladies and gentlemen, pow! You know what he did? He struck the dominant gift that has affected you and I. Thousands over now, 6,000 some odd years later, you and I are still dealing with the attack of the subtle serpent. We go over to Matthew chapter 4. We now have the second Adam, God in flesh, Christ, at the famous temptation of Christ. We find that the serpent with the voice box is once striking again, 
What did the serpent, the subtle serpent, use? He got the first atom to fall. He was not hesitant to get the second atom, Christ, the Redeemer. For by the first man, Adam, his disobedience, many, the Bible said, were made sinners. The serpent knew, so by the obedience of one, Christ, shall many be made righteous. He let the second Adam, God in flesh, Emmanuel, go without food. He counted the third, he counted the days. Slithering serpent sit back and counted the days. He knew that around the 40th day, the size, he downsized, upsized Christ's body. He checked him out. He said, about 40 days, he literally will leave fasting and go into starvation. He will have a craving to survive, knowing that he would die prematurely if he didn't eat. God could have died. The 100% man part of him could have died if he hadn't eaten the food. He didn't come to starve to death. He came for the cross. And the subtle serpent knew it. Hey, command these stones that they be made bread. And God answered him and said, it is written. You know what it says. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded forth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taking him up to the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and saith with the voice box, he saith unto him, if thou be the son of God, First he said, eat. Second time he said, jump, cast thyself down. And the subtle serpent said, you know what the word says. He said, hey, Jesus, jump. And people think that Jesus quoted this to him. The subtle serpent went back in the book of Psalms and quoted the word to the word. He perturbed the word. How did he perturb the word? By quoting the word to the word, you can almost hear it in Jesus' voice. First time he said, eat. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth forth out of the mouth of the living God. Takes him up and said, jump. And then, yeah, there it is. Come on, buddy. Come on, give me some knuckles right here. Give me some knuckles on this. Come on. Oh, there it is right there. He's with me, whether the rest of you are or not. He's with me. He said, Jump. He said, jump. You know what the word said? He gave his angels charge over thee. He's quoting it. By God, he's quoting it. A stinking, subtle serpent with a voice box is quoting it. He giveth his angels charge over thee to bear thee up, lest any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jump! See if that word's real. He taken him on up to the high mountain and began to show him the city. He showed up a third time in the temptation. He said, if you be the son of God now, don't you understand? Why don't you fall down and worship me? First time he said, eat. Second time he said, jump. Third time he said, I will give you. I will give you instant popularity overnight. I will give you all this, stupid serpent. You're offering it to the one that created it all. In the beginning was the word. All things were made by him, for him, without him. Was not anything made that was made, that dumb devil. He's offering it to the one that created it all. What was it all about? If he got the gift of eternal life to sin, mankind was damned. 
What was the attack of the first Adam? To cause the fall. He was now attacking the redemption. The second Adam that brought the redemption to the first fall. If the second one had a given in which he could have, it was possible for him to give in. He was 100% man and 100% God. Quit looking at him as 50-50. 100% man, 100% God. Look at me. Everybody look at me. The reason the word said about Jesus that the New Testament writer wrote, he was tempted. What are you going to do with this? He was tempted in like manner just like any other man. One translation said, according real close to the original, he felt everything every man ever walked the earth. Look at me. It was possible for him to, that's reading, it's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to give in to it. It's, a, it's not a sin to be angry. It's a sin to give in to the anger. It is not a sin when you feel temptation. It is a sin if you get into it. I'm telling you now, your Savior was tempted. Your Savior was tempted. He, ha- he was a man. Look at me. I say this not sacrilegious. Don't falsely accuse me. He was a man. He was born a man. He had eyes. He had ears. And he had everything else. He wasn't a woman. He was a man. He had testosterone running through his system. Jesus was man and God. He had testosterone. Because he was 100% God, that didn't nullify the 100% testosterone that was in him. He had to watch his eyes like we do. He had to watch his ears. He had to watch his hand. Ladies and gentlemen, I say this. He had to watch every member of his body and bring it under subjection. He came on a mission not to look at women. He came on a mission not to steal. He came on a mission. He never opened his mouth. He did not, it said, open his mouth and sin by his mouth. God the Father who cannot countenance sin took every sin man would commit, every sin we, we still might commit. He put it on him. He hung him on a cross. He put homosexuality on him. He put child molestation on him. He put drunkenness. He put drugs. He put every sin you can commit with any part of your body. He put liar, though he didn't open his mouth. He made him a liar. He made him everything. He made him not a homosexual, homosexuality. He made him heterosexual adultery. He made him fornication. The Old Testament, one of the minor prophets said, and God who cannot countenance sin. He cannot look upon habitual, premeditated sin that's on any individual's life. They've been, they've been tempted. They've given in. They've now become a transgressor. They're not just given in to a hot moment of temptation. They now have become an habitual sinner in this area. They don't fight it. They've given in to it. They're totally possessed by it, and they don't even care anymore. They're stages. He died for them too, that they could be changed. You with me? And now he hangs. And a God who cannot countenance sin, the Trinity's never been separated in all of eternity. Heaven's best hangs in a bloody mess. Heaven's best hangs between heaven and earth. He's on the cross, lifted up. And God the Father places everything you and I could ever give in to temptation on him. He's a scapegoat. God the Father views down and sees. But he don't see his son. 
He sees homosexuality, lesbianism, though he's a man, child molestation, though he never touched or thought about a kid. He sees adultery. He sees liar. He sees drunkenness. He sees a drunk hanging on the cross. He cannot countenance sin, and God the Father turned his back for the first time all of eternity. The second person felt the terror of the Godhead. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You know what the attack was all about? The serpent attacked once again eternal life. President David danced down the streets of Jerusalem, swallowed his presidential pride, left the palace, got in the street with the common people, danced so hard he danced his outer garment off his body. As soon as he left the streets and went home, David the worshiper, the serpent, attacked his gift. He was married to Michael, Saul's daughter. It was genetic in the family. As soon as he left the streets to walk in the house, the serpent said through the vocal cords of his wife, I cannot believe you. You make me sick. I looked out the window and I saw you, David. You're an embarrassment to God. You're an embarrassment to Israel. You're an embarrassment to me as your wife. A president, a leader, acting like that among the people. His gift was worship. Once I preach this tonight, everybody in that Bible, you'll see it. Their dominant gift is always attacked. Samson? was the Pentecost saint in the Old Testament. Moses, known for his meekness, it ought to be our fruit in the New Testament. David was a worshiper. Our fruit, what we give to God, the way we ought to be in the New Covenant. But Samson, there's never been a man physically in the Old or New Testament that had the strength of Samson. Sunday school teacher, don't deceive the kids by painting big biceps, triceps, big chest. He was probably a very small man. His strength wasn't in his muscles, because when they shaved his head, he lost it all. The Philistines didn't pull out a scalpel and cut away the bi tries in the chest. They shaved his head. His dominant gift was his strength. We talk about him in 2018 because of his strength. But we study Samson in Judges starting 1325. <laughs> it says, and Samson, not even talking about Delilah, Samson frequently visited harlots. We only hear 
about Delilah. And Samson frequently visited harlots. We go to chapter 14. With his bare hands, Samson kills a lion. 14 verse 19, it gives us a number. And Samson killed 30 Philistines with his bare hands. Chapter 15 verse 4, he was fast too. He caught 300 foxes, tied their tails together, put a firebrand in them, set them loose on the Philistine crops, burn up all their crops. Verse 7 of chapter 15, it doesn't give us a number. It said he killed many more. Chapter 15, verse 14, he took the jawbone of an ass and it gives us a number. His dominant gift in operation, he killed a thousand. Philistine soldiers with all their arm, their bucklers, their shields, their bow and arrows and their spears. He took the jawbone of an ass and killed a thousand. Not even counting the harlots. Start dating a Philistine woman because she's good looking. He found a Philistine woman that would knock your eyeballs out of your head with sex appeal. We're not even got to Delilah yet. We only hear about Delilah. And his parents came to him and said, Samson, get you a Jewish woman that loves Jehovah. My God, she's worshipped Dagon. She worships Dagon. Samson said, I'll change her. But I got to have her. His strength's about to, his dominant gift's about to go down. He's, he's got a sexual addiction. We never talk about it. Go through it. I'm giving you the verses. Delilah hadn't even come on the scene yet. He's waiting. Boy, is he waiting. The subtle serpent is setting up the strongest man that's ever walked the earth, bar none, and seconds way down the line. He married her. Philistines took her from him. She married Samson, got with Samson's friend. Then they said, we can't stand to look. We can't get to him. We hate his guts. You've been with him? Killing you. They killed everything connected to him. Now she's dead for being with Samson. And the subtle serpent showed. Through a voice box of Delilah. Samson, tell me your strength. Samson, you said you loved me. You used to preach Assembly God, all the youth camps, June, July, and August, until they went back to school. Arizona to Pendale, all the Bible Belt states. Twelve years with Cecil Colbreth, two camps a summer. Skipped a year and came back the 13th year, Randy. One of my main messages that all the DCAPs, DYDs, DCAPs then, they would request like you request a song to be sung. It was about Samson and Delilah. It was on fornication. 
preaching to the young people. Title of it was One Night of Pleasure Isn't Worth a Lifetime of Blindness. One Night of Pleasure Isn't Worth a Lifetime of Blindness. Samson, if you loved me, you would tell me. Well, it's this. It wasn't that. Come on, Samson, you lied to me. Okay, okay, it's this. Samson, you told me you loved me. Samson, I'm going to tell you now. If you don't tell me what your dominant gift, the, the secret to your strength is, you'll never touch me again. Okay. It's my hair. The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. They got him. Look at them first thing the devil does. When you lose the anointing off your dominant gift. Saul died at the cave of the witch of Endor. In the Old Testament, Saul made a statement right before he died. My God has departed from me. That's so sad. There's a scripture sadder. The Pentecostal man in the Old Testament got so hung up in things he shouldn't. He lost the anointing off of his dominant gift. Because it says, and Samson wist not that the Spirit of the Lord had departed. And the serpent said, Bingo, I got that sucker. They shaved his head. They took hot coals and they blinded him. He grinded in the prison. The enemy blinded him, put him in bondage, enslaved him in chains, and totally weakened his dominant gift because he wist not that the Spirit had departed off of his dominant gift. It's only one thing worse than losing the anointing and knowing it. It's when you lose it and everybody around knows it but you. When the serpent couldn't get him with the mightiest army, high-tech weapons in those days, the greatest shield and buckler, the greatest armor they had that was a mesh armor in those days that a spear and sword could not penetrate, but they were light enough to move. With the mightiest horses, Patty, when the serpent couldn't whip him with an army, he used a woman. When he couldn't get his gift with an army, he used a woman. Samson, it was a sexual deal with him when she said, you'll never touch me again if you don't tell me. It wasn't a sexual deal with Delilah. It was a power deal. Wow. Executive Presbyter, you and I have seen this time and time again. When a beautiful woman that looks like Miss Texas or Miss California 
attacks the pulpit that looks like Barney Fife. I've seen men in that pulpit that they are nothing to look at. Nothing. Head to toe. I want to welcome you to the reality of the spirit world. It cannot be a sexual deal with her. I saw her husband. It's a sexual deal with him, but not with her. He's blown away that a woman like her would want him. There's no way in heaven or hell that a woman like her could want him. It's a spiritual deal. It's a power deal. When he meets with her ignorant in office and shuts the door, And as soon as that door closes, the subtle serpent strikes his dominant gift. Long story short, I'm through. Married for 14 years, 11 and a half in evangelism. Sold out to God. Miami, Florida, preaching for Kevin McAnulty. Used to be on staff with Marvin Gorman, First Assembly, New Orleans. Dade County, powerful unexplainable revival down in South Miami what just happened they said they'd never seen anything like it what we saw take place last night a revival 33 years old up underneath the tape table in the back packing up everything when a woman walked over to me very humble and said brother Robbie I said, yes, ma'am. I need to speak something to you. I feel inadequate. I said, there isn't big big eyes, little use, ma'am, the kingdom. I'm not into that. What do you need? You have a very dominant gift. I've never seen our church like this before. Your gifting has moved them to a level that we've never been to that we needed. She said, the serpent has been looking for an opening to attack your gift, and he hadn't been able to find it. So he found it in your wife. She said, Brother Robbie, you're about to go through not a battle, you're gonna go through a war. You're 33 years old. You're about to go through a war from hell. That was on a Wednesday night. I flew to Little Rock, Arkansas on Thursday morning. Got home. I met my first wife in a club. We all partied together. We knew nothing about Jesus. She saw me as a sinner. 
She saw me get saved and change, repent. She saw me preach my first sermon. I was an evangelist for 14 years with three beautiful little girls, two girls and a boy, three kids. I got home that Thursday. I was approached at 2 or 3 o'clock a.m. in the morning where she said, you're a great man. You're a wonderful father. You'll make another woman a great husband. I'm not in love with you, and I don't want to be married to a Pentecost preacher. about the kids? I don't care. What about the ministry? I don't care. What about our family? I don't care. I'm doing it. You're called and I'm not into this at all. Exactly the words as God is my witness. Today it wouldn't have been that bad. Rule changed. I used to tell them all the time, you got to review that rule, y'all. Before I ever thought it happened to me, you got to review the rule. You're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. It's wrong to put everybody in the same category. A preacher that's got four girlfriends while he's preaching, it's not the same as what just happened to me. I don't care what y'all say. And the divorce papers are served. You're wrong. And I got scripture. You don't want to debate me on this issue. Especially once I went through it, I really studied it. She left. I won't go into detail about repercussion. I'd go to preach back and forth with the kids, and my little bitty Taylor that married the evangelist would come up to me with a little cute blonde bowl cut head. She'd come up to me. She'd grab my leg, and she'd say, but we want both of you. We want both of you. I'd say, Taylor, I know. There's nothing I can do. The calls began to come from the Assembly of God men. Oh, man, we hate it, bro. Oh, my God, we don't know what we would do. What would I do? Ministry, children. Brother, we can't have you. Decaps began to call. Man, I heard about it, brother. But, you know, you're standing before the kids and you're going, we're just going to have to cancel for now. An IRS audit came, said the computer kicked me out. <laughs> the IRS. <laughs> Hey, y'all with me? Or should I say the IRS? <laughs> I did not say it. I did not say it. If I preach on the IRS, I'm turning this sucker around. Mm-mm. Y'all know what I'm doing. Let me get back to the message here. The serpent, not the IRS. The serpent. Daddy was sick. 
my best friend, going back and forth, back and forth. Revival, three kids, wondering what they were going through when I was gone. I started pacing. I couldn't sleep, and I had to get up and preach. I paced in that hotel room all day, all day, like a lion in a cage in a zoo. What am I going to do? God, I've guarded myself sexually. I've guarded myself financially. I've never mentioned money one time in all the years of preaching. I've never told a pastor. When they said, what do you have to have? I'd say, do your best. I never would put a figure because you can't charge to preach. It's a personal conviction. And have your gift anointed. You can't charge to preach. I thought it was bad, and later down the road, years, I met this beautiful woman of God. I was abandoned, 1 Corinthians 7. If the unbeliever stays, let him stay. If the unbeliever depart, let him depart. Let him go. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God hath called us to peace. And being in that motel room, pacing like a lion, a tiger at the zoo is not peace. Only a divorcee understands that scripture, especially when you couldn't help it. Met this great woman of God. Felt like I went from hell to heaven. You know, if you're on earth and God lets you go to heaven, that's fine. It's wonderful. But there is one thing better. If you were in hell and he took you out of hell and let you go to heaven, that'd be better than being on earth and going to heaven. It's burning in hell. I, was burning, I felt like I was in hell. I never missed a bill. All the cancellations rolled in. I was just innocent. I never missed a week that I didn't want to go. She'll testify. Raise your hand if I'm telling the truth. Just one, Tracy. You put up both of them. Amen. Just one. She went, hallelujah. I don't care. It's truth. I don't care if it's streaming. It's truth. I'm not in a popularity contest. I've never been. I hate his guts. I know him, and I know that the feeling's mutual. Tracy and I have been married 23 years, February. Never missed a week. Booked 2018, 2019, started booking in 2020. I've got cards stacked that thick that I've never called them that have asked me to come. And 90% of the preaching is in the Assemblies of God. That just happens to be the doors that still opens. I'm not ignorant of his devices, sucker. I know you. You hate me, the feeling's mutual, I hate you. You don't intimidate me, you constantly strike at my dominant gift. But it knocks your fangs out of your mouth. Because the anointing is guarded on my dominant gift. I've got to get you to see tonight what your dominant gift is. And then we're going to lay hands right now and the anointing's going to explode on your dominant gift and your church will go where it's never been before. No doubt about it. If this has happened, dominant gift recognize. Dominant gift approaches pastor and says, I want to be used. And this is my gift. Find me a place. Guess what happens? Keep it anointed. And ladies and gentlemen, when the serpent strikes your dominant gift, 
Don't flip out. Don't freak out. You will not swell. You will not die. You are protected. If you do one thing, shake him off. Shake him off. Keep going. Keep going. If you have to pace, pace. If you have to tuck in, talk in tongues all night long, talk in tongues all night long. Just keep walking. And the Lord whew, will get you through. You don't have to worry about reproach. He took all that off of an innocent party. And all the reproach is now gone. And it feels great to go to a place and preach. And they think I've only been married to this dynamo right here. Amen? And you see if you're faithful. You see if you're faithful. What God will reward you. Y'all go ahead and get your cameras. Take this picture right now. Hallelujah, God. I make her nervous. That's what God will reward you with. Be faithful. Don't stop. You with me? Y'all looking at me funny? Y'all looking at me funny? You ready? I don't care. I just told you the truth. I didn't have to tell you that story. I didn't have to tell you that story. But I chose to tonight. Because I know what it is when your gift is struck. Amen? You ready? You ready? Don't bow your head. Lift your head and lift your hands. Don't bow your head. Don't close your eyes. Lift your hand and lift your head. Tell him right now how much you love him. Worship team, could I get you up here tonight with Otis? If you don't mind, I'm sorry I didn't tell you that Otis earlier. Worship team, would you come up? I love this worship team. Boy, don't ever take for granted what you got. Powerful worship team, amen? Come on up here, ladies. Come on up here, brother. There you are, the brothers. Amen. When the serpent strikes your dominant gift, what did Paul do? Shook it. He shook it off. And notice where he shook it. (laughs) He shook it back in the fire. He cremated that joker. (laughs) He shook him back in the fire. We put you tonight under our feet in the name of the Lord. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. Brother Randy, I'm going to ask for that that, uh, oil tonight. If you don't mind, Pastor. I ask for the oil in the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Some of you want to be used so bad and you don't know. Thank you, Pastor. You don't know what your dominant gift is. Tonight the Lord will reveal. Tonight he's going to show you. Hallelujah. But I need an anointing, Robbie. I don't want to just talk in tongues. I want my dominant gift anointed. 
I don't want to just tell someone something about them every now and then that they already knew. Come on, man, don't sell out short. That isn't even what the anointing's all about. I want my dominant gift that Timothy received from Paul in the laying on of hands. And tonight, I am going to impart to you. That's the importance of this prayer line. I'm going to impart to you a spiritual gift, but you're not a baby. But if you'll bring your children, we're going to do that tonight. God is going to confirm this message. He's going to honor what you've heard preached tonight. I guarantee it. If your gift is singing, Anita, the enemy's going to strike it. If your dominant gift, Trey, is giving, Trey Elliott, the enemy's going to strike it. He's going to try to strike it and keep you from doing it. Bring all kind of doubt in your mind. If your, if your gift is forgiveness, you hold no guile and no grudge, he'll send the most honorary person to you ever that rubs you more raw than you've ever been. If, you're in a, if your gift is purity, you just look pure. You make us feel convicted. You're just pure. He'll send the hottest temptation you've ever gone through. He strikes your dominant gift. You know what I've noticed about the ministry of helps? The ministry of helps? He strikes them physically, that they can't get up physically, do anything, I'm telling you, to help anybody. They can't serve because they're, they're sick all the time. It's a little old nitpicking sickly deal. Sickly. Get over one thing, oh, it's nothing serious in us, but they just can't, I can't be there, Pastor. I can't come. I'm sick. I'm telling you, man. Welcome to the spirit world. He's striking your dominant gift because he hates the anointing in you. We're laying hands tonight. Hand me a Kleenex, babe. We're laying hands tonight. Oh, thank you. On your dominant gift. And something's going to happen. Now, I'm not going to beg you. I preached to you an hour. I begged you for an hour. If you don't move on this, ain't no need me helping you. I can't help you. I'm not being rude, being real. I can't help you. If you tonight, I don't want to see your hand, want this anointing on that dominant gift tonight and for God to reveal to you tonight what your dominant gift is that he wants to use you in. Don't sit on no chair or no pew. God wants to use you at Church Alive. It'll make this thing explode where you got to build another building. You won't be able to see them. But our dominant gifts have been struck. And we, we teeter-totter. We roller coaster up and down. Woo! I'm speaking to this church right now. I don't want to see your hand. You want that anointing on your dominant gift? You want everything to explode? Get up out of your chair. Get up out of your chair and walk down here right now. Get up. Walk down. Say, I'm coming tonight. Give me a little room in front of you. Worship team, Otis, let's worship deep. Sound man, keep me above the music on the mic, please. Let's worship deep, Otis. Take me deep. Take me deep tonight. I need my dominant gift. Anointed, Robbie. I need an anointed.
Let me hear it. Yeah. Yeah, Lord. Come on, these people are. Woo. Tonight, Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost. I got the oil. I got the gift. I'm ready to impart. Neglect not the gift, Timothy, that was given you through the laying on of my hands. But, Timothy, you stir it up yourself. Stir up the gift that was given you. Don't wait on a man to stir it up. Don't let it lay dormant. Ushers, will you go with me tonight? Ushers, will you go with me tonight? Right now, it's all about your gift. God, reveal the gift. God, anoint the gift. God, fill our people with the Holy Ghost tonight. Stir up the gift in the name of Jesus. Stir up the gift in the name of Jesus. Wherever I go, guys, you're with me. Stay one ahead of me. Right now, let everything be done decently and in order. In the power of the Holy Ghost. My God, I lay hands on this brother. In the name of Jesus, I stir up within him the gift and I impart to him what you've got for him. I impart to him what you've got for him. I anoint this man with oil in the name of Jesus. I impart to you right now in the name of Jesus exactly what you've got. I lay my hands on this man, the gift of preaching and the gift of laying on of hands. Oh, the place the serpent is struck. I lay hands on this man in the name of Jesus. I anoint Anita. Anita, God's got a place for you. Anita Blasioli, open that mouth and you sing that gospel. That dominant gift that God has given you. In the name of Jesus, no man shall stifle your gift. No man shall shut your gift down. In the name of the Lord, I gave you that voice box. Satan used a serpent, put a voice box in a serpent to tempt the Lord, to tempt Adam and Eve, to attack David, to attack Samson. He attacked strength. He attacked anointing. He attacked David's worship. He attacks eternal life. And in the name of Jesus, he has attacked your dominant gift. Shake it off. Shake it off. Do what you got to do. In the name of the Lord, put that anointing back on her mighty. You can tell what your dominant gift is because when you get up to use it, everybody, the anointing explodes when you're in the middle of it. Mine is preaching and laying on of hands. It's what moves people to a different level. I lay hands on you right now. Touch this woman's dominant gift in the name of Jesus. Touch this dominant gift in the power of the Spirit of the Lord. Spirit, touch her in the name. Touch her in the name. Touch her in the name. Touch her in the name of the Lord. The dominance flow through her. Flow through her. Sing it, team. Let me hear you. Sound man, let me hear those words. Dominant gift. Young man, let him use you. Let him use you. You know what it is. Let him use you in the name of Jesus. Insight. God, give him what you got. Give him what you got for him. And anoint him. Take this young man to a level he's never been before. Touch my brother. He's got 
gift. I don't care the situation. He's got a gift. God, let him be used. Let him be used. Use it in the name of the Lord. Use her, God, in the name of Jesus. Right now in the power of your spirit. Praise Right now in the power of your spirit. Tracy, come back me up, hon. Back me up a minute. Now, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Flowing that anointing as we lay hands on you tonight. Open up and flow. And let me say this to you. Just because we pray for you, that don't mean you're supposed to sit down. We need to change that. There's waves of the Holy Ghost that come through. We come through and pray and you go sit down. Don't do it. Stand up here. Stand up here right now. Right now. Dominant gift, come alive. Dominant gift, come alive. Dominant gift, come alive in the name of Jesus. Anoint. Anoint the str- Anoint the gift. Anoint. 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 Get 
that dominant gift off the shelf. Let the anointing of God come alive in the name of Jesus, the Lord. Touch him. Touch him. unto men. That's more than even the nine manifestations. Men are gifted. Men are gifted. Singing, preaching, laying on of hands. Dominant gifts in the Holy Ghost. Dominant gifts in the Holy Ghost.
Shake him off. 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 season and out and lay your hands on them for a transference dominant gift be touched dominant gift be anointed brother Otis give me that name of Jesus you have no rival you have no equal I want y'all to sing it like you've never sung it before Sing it. Sing it before I pray. Sing it. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the name above all that. Come on. Sing it. In the name of Jesus. In the name 
of Jesus. Touch. Dominant. Your glory, God. Flow. Have your glory, God. Flow. Have your glory. Flow. Have your glory. Dominance. Dominant gift. Be anointed. Dominant gift. Be anointed. Dominance. Have your glory. Have your glory, God. Have your glory. the gift. It's all about that gift that makes room for men and puts them before great men. In the name of the Lord, anoint his gift. Guard him from the attack. 
the strike of the subtle serpent. Guard his mind, guard his spirit, guard his business, guard his finances. In the name of Jesus. Pastor, I'm going to put my hands on you tonight. Raise your hand toward Pastor. Put your hand toward your Pastor. I prayed for Patty. Put your hand toward Pastor. Every time I see you, I say this. Man, I want more people in Conway, Arkansas to have him as Pastor. That's one goal I have. Amen? I am this church's evangelist. Randy Long made me that a long time ago. He said, call me, stay in touch. We're working together. We got something on calendar, but we're open to anything. And I want, I want this man's dominant gift to scream out in Conway, Arkansas. We know it's anointed. The enemy would have taken him out years ago. Real soft, just a minute. 
me and Tracy were talking one day, 35 years in evangelism. We were talking. I leaned over. I said, you know what, Tracy? If I was a fake, I'd already been caught. If I had girlfriends, at least one of them's going to come forth. I'd already been caught. If I embezzled money or played with people, I'd already had pastors shut me down and say, he's a, he's a, mm, mm, watch that guy. I'd already been caught. I'd already been caught. If Randy Long was a playboy, he'd already been caught. He and I both have been accused of being fake by mean church people. <laughs> mean church people. Every, you, you, you always got that. The true gift is attacked. I want more people to know in Conway, Arkansas, his dominant gifts. I want him to be their pastor. I don't know if you do or not, but I do. Put your hand toward him. I anoint you with oil, brother, for your dominant gift to absolutely explode and shine beyond anything else. I lay hands on you, and I bless you spiritually most of all. I bless you spiritually. Yes, yes. I bless you physically. Yes, yes. I bless you financially. Yes, I bless you to to have it come in from unexpected people. That it ain't about the church right now. It's even about you at times, when they just want to appreciate you personally, in your bank account, in your car, in your home, in your life, in your everything. But I pray that dominant gift stays dominant, and I pray yes, yes. that that pastoral gift of preaching and to move people and to feed people, yes. that pastoral gift of great teaching you have, revelation knowledge, will always come alive. Yes. And that when you lay your hands on people yes. in a restaurant, in Walmart, and wherever you go, yes. this church service, yes. The laying on of hands, something will always happen. Yes. You will consistently hear testimonies yes. of laying your hands on people. In the name of Jesus. Yes. In the name of Jesus. Yes. You that have the fullness of the Spirit in here tonight. You that have the fullness of the Spirit just began to flow just a minute. Open up and flow. We're all believers here tonight. Just open up and flow in the Spirit just a minute. Flow in the Spirit. Flow in the Holy Ghost. Tell Him you love Him. We'll put the serpent back in the bag now. You understand what I'm saying tonight? Brother Randy, 
until we meet again, that's all the Lord wants for today. Whatever you feel to do, Pastor, you do it. Remember the books in the back? See, if, see us if you're interested in Israel. Just moving this anointing aggressively and aggressively and aggressively. Anybody with me say, I'm not going to slow up. Come on, anybody, I'm not going to slow up. God bless you all. Stay down here as long as you want. You want to go out to the resource table. You do.